We're in the book of Ephesians this evening. If you'll turn with us to chapter 4. Ephesians number 4. And then I want to read a few verses in John's gospel. In the upper room account tonight, that'll be in chapters 14, 15, and 16. Three or four verses, a verse or so here in each place. Wonderful sense of the Lord's presence in our midst tonight. We're grateful. I've thoroughly enjoyed the good music. My heart has been blessed, my spirit refreshed. I said to the pastor there, I said, I, will it be all right if I get up and walk around a little? <laughs> I tell you, that was good. That's, Spirit of the Lord is very evident in our presence in tonight, in our midst, and we're grateful. I want to, some of you will recall last evening, our text was simply, then came the Spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation. And we commented, of course, the word then, something's led up to it. And I mentioned that a Bible teacher years ago in my presence said, when you run up on the word then, uh, you ought to ask yourself when. So we tried last evening to look at the context of that text. We're talking about revival, the Spirit of God bringing about the awareness of the presence of God. With that in mind this evening, I'm going to read some verses, and then as we get into the message, I'll comment again. Our Lord is preparing His own for uh, the days that's just ahead of them. He's going to be leaving them. He's told them that. It's disturbed them. And uh, He said to them, let not your heart be troubled. And begins to talk to them about some uh, wonderful truths that will settle them, comfort them. And he begins to talk to them about the one that's going to be here when he goes away. He's leaving them, but he says in chapter 14, verse 16 and 17, these two verses, I'll pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Now keep in mind, when you read that in the context that they've just been told, he's leaving. This one that's coming will not leave them. He'll be with them forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But you know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. Note the change that's to take place. Our Lord has said when He comes, the difference that's going to be, he, He's been with you, but in the future He'll indwell you. When He comes, He'll be in you. The Spirit of truth. Now in the 15th chapter and the 26th verse, But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, 
he shall testify of me. Back in the 14th chapter account, he's referred to not only as comforter, but the spirit of truth. Again, here in this verse, he is referred to again by both of those titles, the comforter, and again, the spirit of truth. Verses 13 and 14 of the 16th chapter, Howbeit, when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he shall guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he'll show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. Over in Ephesians chapter 4, and verse number 30, God's word says to our hearts, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God whereby you're sealed unto the day of redemption. Now in this text tonight, I'm going to be focusing in a moment on that statement, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. But in order to understand what Paul has for us, and of course God leading the apostle to give us this truth, You'll note that there's a connecting word that the verse starts with, so we would not fully understand it. A Bible teacher in my presence years ago said, you will not understand the full impact of a verse if it starts with that connecting word. You'll need to back up and see what's preceded. So when you go back to verse 29, you'll need to move on back and go all the way back to verse 25, and then you'll begin to pick up on the context of the text of this passage of Scripture. So let's start back at verse 25 and see if we can discover what God has out of his word here for us tonight. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be you angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more. But rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed to the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor, evil speaking, be put away from you with all malice, and be you kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. And then in the uh, two verses of the next chapter, they tie right with this. Be you therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God, for a sweet-smelling savor. Let's bow for a moment of quietness. and I'm going to ask you to stand. Would you stand with me? And that will relax us, change our position for just a moment. And with our heads bowed and our hearts in an attitude of prayer, 
I'm going to ask you to join with me just from your heart. Would you say something like this tonight? Lord, I'm listening. Lord, I'm open. I appreciate the emphasis the pastor each evening has placed on and remind us to ask God to speak to us. I often say the Lord rarely ever speaks to a person that's not listening. He'll permit you to miss him tonight. He'll speak to people all around you. But if you choose to, he'll permit you to miss him and you won't hear a word out of his word to your heart. On purpose would you listen to him tonight. Not to just what the preacher's saying, but ask the Spirit of God. Take the word of God and speak to our needy hearts. The pastor's already acknowledged the presence of the pastors with us tonight. And we appreciate a dear friend, long-time friend being here with us. Brother A.C., would you lead us, please, sir, in a word of prayer? Amen. Thank you, and you may be seated. I'm going to ask you to keep your Bibles open to, with me here in this passage tonight. I'm just going to spend a little while here just sort of giving a little exposition of this context around the text. Look at verse number 30 again and just think with me about it. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. Drop down in chapter 5, <clears throat> verse number 2. We're admonished here, instead of walking in the ways that he's been talking about uh, prior to this, he's admonished us now to be followers of God as dear children. And then he tells us how we're to walk. And walk in a way that our Lord did before us. And uh, the latter part of verse 2 said... He offered himself a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor, a fragrance. That in the Old Testament, which when it went up, God was, he found pleasure. That sweet-smelling savor was the type of an offering that brought pleasure and God with favor looked upon it. That's the idea here in the verse that our Lord brought pleasure. He was pleasing to His Father in what He did here. We're called upon tonight to walk in a way that God could smile on us. I entitled the message this evening, Grieving or Pleasing God. Out of this context, He tells us there are the those two possibilities before us. Those things that he talks about here that's connected with the admonition not to grieve him. If those are in my life, then of course the opposite of pleasing here, I would be grieving him. And I don't know of a verse that's more sobering, more searching to my needy heart than when I come here to this verse of Scripture and just sort of ponder it and think about it, realizing that there is the possibility of things in my life that would sadden the heart of God. And then when I turn it around and look at it, I, I, I don't know of anything that's more challenging and more of a blessing to think than you could bring pleasure to the heart of God. So looking at these verses, I 
I began to think about them, and I preached uh, numbers of times just from the first part of this scripture and, and looked in somewhat detail at the things that, that grieve God, that offend God, that sadden God, that wound God. But then when I began to see that he ties this together and says to my needy heart tonight, there is a way that you can walk that'll have the same result before me as those sweet-smelling sacrifices, those savers, those offerings that brought pleasure to God, and He's admonishing us to do that tonight. I made reference a moment ago to that verse that we emphasized last night. Then came the Spirit of God in the midst of the congregation, I preached on that text, oh, it's been some years ago now, the person that I'm making reference to, he's in glory tonight, he's with the Lord, and he'd been preaching about as long as I'd been living. And uh, went to be with the Lord, uh, an aged man, and many, many years in the ministry. And knew God, knew how to walk with God. I was, My life was enriched, to say the least, uh, knowing Him, being around Him, fellowshipping with Him, praying with Him. And I'd get around him, I'd, I'd ask him a lot of questions and, and ask him to excuse me for being disappointed sometimes and personal. But, but I knew that he knew something that I, that he could help me with. And he heard me preach the text uh, that I made reference to a moment ago. Then came the Spirit of God in the midst of the congregation. Then came the Spirit of God among the people of God. He raised a question. He said, Brother Hurt, do you ever wonder why that's not happening so much in our day? Do you ever think about why that there's not a lot of places you walk into and you're aware, as we said last night, you're aware that he, He's there, He's in control. You sense it in the, in the fellowship, in the atmosphere. You, it's, it's obvious in the music. When the Word of God's opened, it's opened with authority and power and help and blessing. And when the services are, are, are being to, brought to a close, there's the convicting power of the Spirit. He asked me, I repeat, he said, you wonder why we don't see a lot of that anymore? I'd made reference like I did last night to not the same place, but uh, such a reality of God's presence and and I repeat, here's a man, what was he, 80, 81 or two at that time? Uh, been preaching since he was a young man. Uh, knew people that I read about, knew them personally. Uh, heard Billy Sunday preach many times. Uh, been a, a, a friend of Mordecai Ham. These people that I repeat, I read about, he'd been in services with them. Knew, knew many of them. Knew them, Dr. Pendergale knew him real well. And uh, he knew, I repeat, what it was, what was involved. Uh, Spiritual awakening, he'd call it. When the Spirit of God brings about the awareness of God. And when he asked me, you ever wonder why we're not seeing it? And I said, really? You tell me your opinion, Doc. What do you think is the reason? And I'll never forget what that man of God said. He said, the Spirit of God is grieved 
in the average place. I've never forgot that. And search my own heart. When he said that to me, I was a pastor myself. I respected him. He, he wasn't saying it in a put-down way. Not in a negative, judgmental way. He said it with emotion in his voice. He said if we grieve the indwelling of God's Spirit, we'll quench the outworking of God's Spirit. I never forgot that. He said, if I've grieved him, there's a work that he wants to do through me, and he'll just be silent. He won't do it. He won't speak through me. He won't manifest His presence to me if I grieve Him. I think that was the first time, though I'd been through this passage of Scripture, but just in a casual way, I think that was the first time that, 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 that gave me such a, uh, such a burden, such a sense of need to begin to search this passage of Scripture, uh, because this is the text that He quoted to me. And I recall going and just spending and then looking, getting all the insight that I could from people that have greater insight in the Scriptures than I have. And asking the one that we're talking about tonight, asking him to open the Scripture to me. What is it that wounds you? What is it that grieves you? What is it that offends you? What is it that saddens you? All of that's in that Word. Did you walk in the presence of, of someone grieving? Oh, heavy, heavy. For this grief. Now this word means, a, it's, it's a little deeper word, but that's involved. Uh, it, it also has that idea, Old Testament word is to be vexed. Uh, when it talks about one of the ones of old, vexed his soul with that which was around him, uh, offending himself. It, it was offensive. And he's telling us tonight there is, can be some things in our lives that's offensive to God. God the Holy Spirit. And that's why I said it's sobering to think. This one who indwells me, this one who has sealed me, this one who has placed me in the body of Christ with that baptism of His, uh, this one who wants to fill me and control me and produce his fruit in my life, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and give me power to be effective servant, that one can be offended and he can be hindered. And uh, those two admonitions, in the, uh, there's three of them. I, I sometimes preach in Thailand, don't mistreat your best friend. And I say you can do that by resisting his incoming. Now, if you're saved tonight, you didn't do that. But, but there is a possibility, if you're a lost person, you can resist his incoming. But I say, folks, tonight, we, not, we didn't resist his incoming because he came in and conversion. But you can grieve his indwelling. And if you do that, you'll quench his outworking. He'll never say anything through you to anyone else. He'll never work in you in a way that, that your life will be like streams and rivers of water that's impacting someone else and reaching to someone else. And He wants to do that in our lives. So I think that man of God who's in glory tonight, I think he was right on target when he said, if we've grieved Him, we're hindering Him. I heard a man preaching, as I said here Sunday morning on the radio, and uh, heard him on, uh, wasn't the same person, but heard a radio program the other evening, a while back, and, and uh, he was on this text, and he was admonishing his audience. He said, you be careful that you don't grieve the Spirit of God away. 
It didn't say that. You don't grieve him away. See, that's why it's so serious. If I'm grieving him, I've got an indwelling spirit that's grieved and he's with me, though he's offended. I don't grieve him away. He sealed us to the day of redemption. I mean, he is the seal. And there's a part that of our redemption is not complete yet. I mean, we've got a new body coming and we don't have that yet. And he is with us until then. And he says, be careful that you're not offending him. Be careful that you're not wounding him. Be careful that you're not causing him pain, if you please. Now think with me tonight about the, the question, the subject, grieving or pleasing God. I want us just to back up now. There's five simple truths tied to the first part. And I, I don't need much time. I don't even, in fact, they're rather obvious. You just, we just need to read them. But I'll comment here a little. Look at verse 25. We've got to go all the way back there. And I'm taking a little inventory. Uh, not only on the first part of the message, but I want to take inventory on the last part and, and to see if that which pleases God. Of course, it's, we have to get rid of these things that's grieving Him, but then He talks about some other things there that God will find pleasure. You can bring joy. You, 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 it'll be like that fragrance. It'll be like that sweet-smelling savor. If we will follow the example that our Lord has left us here as the, this apostle gives to us. But back up to verse 25, and notice uh, when I preach this to our people, I preached a series on the Holy Spirit, and I just took the first part. Uh, and so I talked about some vices out of these verses that need to be put out of our lives and then some virtues that need to be put back in. So we're just looking at the vice side tonight because he'll say put out something, then put something else back in its place. But we're just looking at the things that grieve him tonight. So look at verse 25. Wherefore, putting away lying. Speak every man truth with his neighbor. For your members, one of another. Paul's picturing the people of God, the church, as uh, that symbol that is, that's pictured a lot in the Bible, uh, as a body. You talk about it elsewhere. Uh, members of the body, they're members of that same body. All members belong to the same body. All members affect each other. All members need each other. Not one member of my body is independent of the other members of my body. All of them are in need of each other. All of them affect. When one member of my body suffers, all the body suffers. Paul has that in mind. And Paul is saying, as it were, if my eyes start lying to my feet tonight, for I know it, I might, my entire body would be in trouble. I'd be down on the floor. And Paul is saying, I don't be deceitful to one another. Don't lie to one another. Be truthful to one another because you affect one another. And he says in this verse, the thing that I, I need to put away, if it's in my life, that'll grieve the Spirit of God, if you want to put down the first thing that we suggest tonight, he says, put away lying. Somebody said, Brother Hurt, surely you're not coming before Baptist Church on Tuesday night and talk about lying, are you? <laughs> well, that's what the text talks about. I didn't write it, I'm just reading it. But you see, the text means more than where I came from. They'd refer to a person that's a lie. They said he's, he's telling a lie or he's told a lie, verbally speaking an untruth. But this text means much more than that. So if you want to put one word down that will cover all he's talking about here, you may put the word falsehood. 
See, you can lie in a way other than just verbally speaking an untruth. Falsehood covers all types of, of deceit and hypocrisy and guile and pretense in the whole business. And the Bible has so much to say about this business of just, you know, a life of pretense. A life of falsehood. Putting up a front in front of people. Pretending to be something we're not or being more than we are. See, there's somebody within me, and that's why I want to read those verses. One of his titles is this, He's the Spirit of Truth. If we want to learn to walk with Him and Him walk with us, something's been helpful to me and I'm trying to learn it, is that when you learn learn who He is, find out His character, and He's revealed by His titles. He's a Holy Spirit. He's a Spirit of truth. He's a Spirit of grace. If I'm ungracious towards you, I'll grieve Him just like that. Because, you see, the more like a person you are, the closer you'll get to that person. The reason you can get closer to some people than others, you're more like those people. And if we're going to cultivate His presence, and, and, and when we open this Bible, the Bible that He wrote, and, he, and Him become our teacher and speak to us, we're going to have to get to know Him. We're going to have to come to the place where we're not grieving Him. If we pray and we're effective in prayer, it's just, uh, if, it's, if it's real out of the realm of just rhetoric or words, we have to get to know Him because there's no prayer apart from the Holy Spirit. The Bible says praying in the Holy Ghost. Bible says with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. I'm talking about some kind of so-called prayer language. I'm just talking about the direction and the dynamic and the desire that He gives us when we pray. We don't even want to pray if He's not helping us. So the Spirit of God, if I've got a grieved spirit, there won't be any prayer life. There won't be any understanding of this book. There won't be any fruit of the Spirit in my life. There won't be any power to share the gospel because He does all of that. Oh, if we could discover tonight what it is in our lives is that dear man of God said that's offending Him, that's hindering Him. The first thing He says, put away lying. Every type of falsehood. I made myself a note here. I said he's the unending foe of every pretense and every every bit of fraud and every bit of, of phoniness that's about me that's unreal. I tell you, he's a foe. He stands against that. Instead of walking with me, he'll oppose me. When I'm filled with that which is not real tonight, that one who is a spirit of truth. And the word truth, somebody says, what is truth? Truth, a, a word for truth. I'm talking about just abstract truth tonight. I'm talking about reality. And truth in the sense of that which is real. And uh, he's called that the spirit of truth. Now listen, you know the... Could I put it like this? The biggest guns our Lord ever fired while He was on this earth. You know who He, who he shot them at? Pharisees, phonies. I mean, if I'd ask you tonight, when I mentioned the word Pharisee, what do you think? Immediately someone responds. They'd say hypocrite. Through all of these years, they have come down through history. And when you hear the one word Pharisee, you think of the word that most identifies that group, and they were phonies. They were hypocrites, all real religious. Dotted ever I, crossed ever T. Looking at them outwardly, you wouldn't have seen a thing wrong with them. We'd have made them chairman of the board. But when our Lord came on the scene, being who He was, oh, they're the ones that had such hatred to, for Jesus Christ. 
Even when he'd teach his disciples to pray, he'd call his little man and said, when you pray, don't pray like these Pharisees. They're not sincere when they pray. They're filled with hypocrisy. They're lying. They're not being real. We said they're not trying to reach God. They're praying for somebody to listen at them. And he said they'll even go out and stand on the street corner. And when they see someone, they begin, and he said in pretense, a long prayer. You know, I got thinking about that. They'd work that out to a science. They just wanting to be seen to men. He didn't just say they're standing on the street. They got on the corner. You could be seen every direction if you're on the corner. There they were, wanting recognition. There they were, wanting to be seen. Did they find, did they have the approval of God? Oh, you that know the Scriptures know that that crowd, He constantly... You know what what a summary truth about a Pharisee is? Jesus said to draw nigh with their mouth, honor with their lips, but their heart is far from me. No heart, no reality. Just rhetoric, just words, they're just saying something. The word hypocrite comes from a, the, the background word, means an actor. And when the actor would come out on the stage in that day, oftentimes it'd be a mask they'd wear. A certain scene required one mask, and then he'd move to another scene, and the mask would be changed, and he'd portray himself as this type of person. And when our Lord picked up on that word to his disciples about the religion, he said, they're just acting a part. They're not real. That's not real prayer. When they give, they're not given to glorify God. They're given to be seen of men. And he said, you beware of that. Well, listen, I tell you, this search, I done told you, this search is my heart. I'm not careful. There's something about every one of us. You tell me it's not about you, I, I, I might doubt your sincerity and tell me that. Because I got a book that tells the truth on every one of us. And there's something in every one of us. We're bent that direction. And that's why it's, oh, this business of serving God is much more serious than just outward what people see us do. We have to, it, it's a secret business. If we have the pleasure of God, hypocrisy, pretense, guile, phoniness, fraud, sham, lying, falsehood, every bit of it's in there. And, and, and to the degree that that's in my life tonight, and I'm wanting the Spirit of God to fill me, give me His fruit, His power, and use me, if I'm not willing to just say, Lord, search me, show me. Help me to do something about it. Listen carefully. And the thing I think that really, really shocks me here as I think about it, you know where our Lord seemed to place the emphasis that they were likely to just play a part? It was in their praying. And He said to His disciples, in order for you to overcome this business of being insincere in your prayer life, you make sure you do the bulk of your praying in secret and close the door on you and don't let anyone see you. And the Father who is in secret, He's there waiting on us. He'll reward you openly. Oh, now don't let me throw you a curve. Don't miss what I'm saying. I'm not opposed to public prayer, but I'm afraid of it. I've said that all of my ministry. We're not careful. We're more concerned in a public setting about what the ears of fellow man's going to hear than whether or not we're touching God. Whether we're talking to Him. See, we can be talking, call it prayer, and we're talking to an audience. And we're not even talking to God. And that's what those Pharisees did. And Jesus said they have their reward. They're not, they didn't get a thing from God because they wasn't, they wasn't appealing to God. I'm talking about that which grieves the Holy Spirit. Falsehood. 
lying, sham, pretense, phoniness, fraud, all of that guile. That's why I said this word's more than just speaking a lie. Sometimes we read that and we think, well, that don't, that don't, flick, uh, that, that don't apply to me because you know, I, I'm a person of truth. I, when I tell somebody something, I mean it. I know. But there's a whole lot of different areas that we could actually offend him with this truth here. I heard of a young attorney they tell about, and it kind of illustrates this. He just passed the examination bar, and uh, he got his license, and he's hung out his shingle. Monday morning, he's got a neat office just off of the walk there, and, and uh, he's there rather early, and he hears a vehicle pull up out there about 9 o'clock or so. And uh, to be impressive, uh, he hear the person coming to the door. He, he moves around in front of his desk and leans up there and takes the telephone off and, and begins uh, a conversation. <laughs> and he intensifies his voice after he motions for the person to come in and motions for him to be seated. And he says something like this, Well, I, I appreciate you calling. No, that day it has been taken up now the, for some time. My secretary's not here yet. If you'd call back a little later, uh, secretary will be glad to take your call. And I, I'm rather busy, but I, I'll be glad to work you into my schedule. Hung the phone up and said, may I help you? And he said, I'm from the phone company. I've come to hook that phone up you're trying to talk on. <laughs> well, see, a lot of time we're talking online, not even connected. Calling it prayer. You know what? On the other end, it's just just talk, 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 word, word, and, and God. That's that's offensive to God. That grieves a God, the God, the Holy Spirit, who is a spirit of truth. Not only do I need to put away falsehood in every form, but then the next two verses. Look at those verses. They're tied together. Notice verse twenty-six. Now, you won't get all of it unless you get twenty-seven. There's no period there. Be you angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. See what he's saying? A mad, wrathful man, a person will open the door for the devil to go to work. How many homes have been torn all to pieces because of somebody's anger? Just open the door for the devil. See the idea there where it says give no place to the devil? As you students know, he's talking about giving him a beachhead. Given the place of operation, permitted him to. In the Spirit of God, leading the man of God to write this and tells me, if I don't learn to deal with this wrong kind of anger and wrath, I'm opening my life for the devil just to step in, and, and, and I'll call it a temper. And, and how many people will say, and I went to, went to the jail to see a man, and he blew another man's head off. I mean, blew him away in a fit of anger. I mean, he's, he's now, he, he's spending the rest of his days, he, he's put away where he could never get out. His family came to our church. He said, I don't really know what happened. He said, I got some mad. He knew the person. I mean, they're supposed to have been buddies. He said, he made me so mad. Before I knew it, I picked a gun up, and I mean right in his presence and blew him away. He said, something came over me. Well, what's the things family told me about him? It didn't happen. It wasn't a sudden impulse as he thought. He had already been opened the door for the enemy of our souls to control him. But in a moment there, he had this anger that was out of control. 
But see, Paul's writing to a church. Paul's writing to a people of God. He's writing to a people of God and saying to them. Now, there, this is a rather interesting verse, and I'm not going to go into any detail because we'd get involved here, but he talks about there is a kind of anger that's not wrong. He said you wouldn't sin if, they, if that kind of anger. That's sort of a righteous indignation he's talking about. But then he uses a different word. It's a whole, altogether a different idea. And he says, let not the sun go down. That was an expression, familiar expression in Paul's day. It means don't let any time elapse. Don't you go to bed at night with this kind of wrong kind of anger because you see, anger, it won't, it won't just remain anger. It'll take roots and it'll be going to resentment and then bitterness and hatred and malice. And he'll talk about all that in a minute. Malice is that desire to hurt somebody. You'll sit around and connive and deliberate and try to figure out how you could hurt that person. But you can't contact malice and bitterness. That's a result of something else after it settles down. The bitterness has got roots after it gets a hold of people. But you can contact anger and resentment and wrath even on the spot. And he says, you be careful that you don't let the wrong kind of anger and wrath be a part of you. Do you know this is a mad age we live in? Somebody said not long ago, isn't that talking about a year or so ago and they had that mad cow disease over in Britain? I said, isn't that terrible? All them cows over there going mad? <laughs> I said, why, well, we beat them. We got a mad man's disease in America. What they call it on the highway? Road rage? You don't think they're raging? Get out there. <laughs> I drive 50,000 miles a year. Somebody asked me the other day about that verse. I said, one one which says, why do the heathen rage? He said, well, did you ever think about that, Brother Hurt? Why do they? I said, because they're heathen, amen. <laughs> why, they're raging? It's all they know. And uh, they are raging. It's getting worse. But you see, the sad thing, it gets into the church. You still with me? I, my glasses off. I can't see past the front row. Somebody talk to me, amen. There's been churches tore all the pieces over somebody's anger, somebody's resentment. Somebody's mad and they're out, been out of shape. And they're going to have their way. I mean, the first murder the human family knew anything about, it was a, a brother who couldn't handle his anger. Got mad. Going to have his way. His brother got a little recognition he didn't get. And he couldn't handle that. Oh, we're talking about tonight. Something I've already said a moment ago. You might not have thought I was serious when I first said it. I don't know if anything searches me anymore, challenges me anymore, just what I'm talking about here tonight because there's no sense of us putting on every one of us tonight. We're liable to fall into some of these traps. Every one of us, we're cut from the same mold. Wrath, anger. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. I heard of a couple, there's a couple's retreat and the director had them to stand. He said they've been married a little over 50 years. He said they've got a, uh, as he put it, a very productive, wholesome marriage. said their marriage is a marriage that others can follow the example. He said they're, they're still on their honeymoon. He said, I won't embarrass them. I, I, I won't ask. And he called the, 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 and he was a pastor, called him by name. He said, would you mind just telling us, what's your secret? Over 50 years and here you are, you're still sweet and you're still so thoughtful and you're courteous and... And, and, you know, you're, you're just what God says we ought to be. He said, tell us about it. Can, can you help us? And he said, well, I don't know that there's a secret, but said over 50 years ago, we were committed to the Lord, we committed to each other, 
and said, we got to hold some principles in the Scripture. And one I'm thinking of, we've got to hold that principle that Paul gave us where he said, don't let the sun go down on your eye. He said, through all these years, there's not been one, one time that we've ever gone to bed mad at each other. And he got real quiet in there. <laughs> and he repeated himself. He said, these over 50 years, not been one time that we've gone to bed mad at each other. <laughs> he said, in honesty, we did set up late a few nights. Amen. <laughs> well, I appreciate his honesty. But if you have set up late tonight, don't go to bed mad. Bible's such a practical book. Then we move, not only the wrong kind of wrath will grieve the Spirit of God. Falsehood grieves the Spirit of God. But dishonesty. Let him that stole steal no more. This church was saved out of a such a pagan lifestyle that thievery and stealing, it was looked upon almost as a virtue if you could do it and get by with it, not get caught. And these people had a background. They've come out of that kind of culture. And the Spirit of God leading the man of God says, he that stole, I mean, that's been his lifestyle. He said, don't do it anymore. Then he looks at the, the other side. We're not looking at the virtue side tonight. He, he tells him here, you know, you know, go to work and have something uh, that you've you've accomplished from the work of your hands, so you can share with other people that have a need. But the thought to us tonight that grieves the spirit is dishonesty, crookedness, thievery. I got a phone call. I. My name in the phone book in Indianapolis directory is not pastor, reverend, or any, any, any title. It's just Wilbur Hurt. And so a person, you know, uh, getting names out of the phone book, this salesperson, he called. And uh, I was uh, there by the phone. I, so wife and I, we were there. I think we was having, uh, having lunch or something there to a bar. And we, I picked the phone up. And when I spoke to him, uh, immediately I recognized perhaps the guy wanting to sell me something. I'm about to, you know, tell him I'm busy. But his approach to me was, he said, would you, Mr. Hurt, and I said, speak it. He said, would you give a, a handicapped person 45 seconds of your busy time? And I said, yes, sir, I will. And he went ahead to tell me about something that uh, he had to offer. And, uh, and I was interested, to say the least. And I said to him, I said, well, uh, yeah, I'm interested in that. I, said, uh, I asked him a couple of questions and he, he, you know, he answered my question. And uh, I said, uh, and it was, I don't know what proper term. I call it fix-a-flat. Maybe that's what it did. little deal, you know, if you have a flat, you can temporarily pump the tire up and get get out of a, a situation, get where you can get some help. And I said, I, I'll take that and put it in my wife's car. She's out here on the big old 465 loop around town a lot. And I said, uh, he said, I take it you've got uh, two cars. And I said, yeah, I travel some and I'm gone. And he said, Mr. Hurt, you, you're being nice to me. And he said, i tell you what, I'm not, I wouldn't tell everybody this, but he said, when your product arrives, he said, they'll be... Uh, a place there to where you could answer a question and uh, you just make a note and just simply write out a note and say that the product was defective and, and mail it back. <clears throat> and he said, that's all you need to say. Just mail it back. No question asked. They'll send you a second one. He said, two for one. <laughs> he said, ain't that a good deal? And I said, well, <laughs> you say it is. I said, now let me ask you a couple of questions. I said, you going to pay for that second one? Oh, no, no. Won't cost me a dime. Come here, take care of that. Uh, first one is defective. Oh, no, no. Nothing wrong with it. Just all you need to do is just write down that it's defective. 
I said, when it's not defective, I'm to write down that, it's not, that it won't work. He said, you got it. I said to him, wouldn't that be lying? He said, pardon me? I said, wouldn't that be lying? Oh, Mr. Hurt. He said, that went out way down the road. Nobody pays any attention to it. He said, character don't count anymore. And he said, after all, nobody will know it but you. God knows I said this. He got me stirred up by now. And I said to him, I said, who would know it? Just you. I said, what about God? Got real quiet. He said, you're religious, aren't you? <laughs> I said, no, I'm saved. <laughs> he hung up. I never did get my product. <laughs> I told that and somebody said, oh, that's picky stuff. Someone said, brother heard, I mean, he could all, all he had done. Said the guy, at least the guy, it was his fault. Listen, I'd, I'd agree with the Holy Spirit just as quickly if I'd have went over to bank. Crooked and dishonest, cheating somebody, trying to get something and being deceitful about it. Oh, he tells me if that's part of me, you can forget the power of God. You can forget being filled with the Spirit. You can forget having revival. We're not willing to shoot straight and be honest. So he's talking about lying. He's talking about, he's talking about the wrong kind of anger. He's talking about uh, dishonesty. Look at verse 29. It says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Somebody said, that's profanity. Well, profanity would be and is corrupt, but that's not what that's talking about. Surely, you know, you're not using profanity. That surely would grieve. So don't miss what I'm saying. I don't mean profanity. In order to see the vice, you need to look at the virtue side. Look at the contrast word. But that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearers, people listening to you. What is an edifice? Edifice is a building. To edify is to build up. Opposite is tearing down, reproachfully hurting somebody with words. Listen carefully. Anything that I say about you or to you that's detrimental, it's corrupt communication. I'm not a smart act, but that's why, that's why I'll excuse myself when the gossip starts. I, uh, I'm not. I'm not above that. I'm just telling you. I'm scared of that kind of stuff, and I won't offend people and be ugly. But I, I'm not going to participate when you when somebody starts tearing other preachers down, other churches down, other people down. You may want to put this verse down in the Psalm, Psalm 15. I love to read Psalms daily. The 15th Psalm talks about the kind of people God lets hang around His place. Who shall dwell in Thy tabernacle? Who shall who who, who shall uh, who, who shall dwell in Thy holy hill? The 24th Psalm's almost like it. Who shall ascend up in your presence? I got a sermon I preach and I call it God's Guest. You find people that live around God's place, dwell in His tabernacle. What kind of people would they be among other things? He said they're folks that don't take up a reproach against their neighbor. Listen to that in that verse. Reproach, that's when you hear something negative, something about your neighbor. Neighbor don't just mean your next door neighbor. We hear a little story about somebody and we can't wait to pass it on. You heard this about him, you heard this about her, even though it's a fact, but if it's not going to help that person, if it's, if it's going to hurt that person, if I speak to you about a person and you, you, and you think less of that person, that's, that's corrupt communication. I've torn that person down. And the one in me that wants me to try to help people instead of stepping on them, it saddens him. Because he don't treat people like that. 
And He don't treat us like that when we have failed. Boy, if we're not careful, we wouldn't, we don't think about going out and committing adultery. We don't, we might go down to the bar and, and get boozed up. We don't go to the bank and hold up the bank. If we're not careful, right along here, we're quick. We're quick to say something about somebody else that's going to hurt that person and tear that person down. The man that I made reference to, to the pastor, that had such an influence in my life. Oh, years ago, in my first year trying to serve the Lord. He's been with the Lord now a number of years. And in talking about this right here, he'd have me to stop at his place. He knew Dr. Tozer, Oswald J. Smith. He'd serve men like that. And he'd take a subject, and in two or three days he'd spend with it. And he's the first person to ever talk to me about quiet time and morning watch. He's the first person to talk to me about the fullness of the Holy Spirit and how to maintain the fullness, he'd call it. How day by day to walk in awareness and the power of God. And I bless the Lord. I, I couldn't even appreciate what he was sharing to me then and things I, I knew nothing about. But now I look back on some of those truths that I didn't get much from him, didn't much stay with me, but there was a few of those truths just lodged in I, I, I could never get away from them. And one was this, talking about this right here, hurting other people. He said, before you pass along something, ask yourself three questions. Number one, what I'm about to say it to another person about that person. Number one, is it true? Then you discover it's true. Uh, number two, is it necessary that I say this? Sometimes it is. Sometimes it's, it's, it's even imperative. There's a necessity for us to discuss something and talk. So there are times that that's appropriate. Number one, is it true? Number two, uh, is it necessary? And number three, what I'm about to say about that person, am I speaking in kindness? That's what we're going to find out that pleases God. Be you kind, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Do I have a tear in my eye and a burden on my heart? And kindness in my voice, even when I, even when it's necessary for me to talk about the failure of somebody else? Or am I acting as a judge and playing God in somebody's life and coming down on them? There's another, and I just move on down. He said, grieve not the spirit. He wraps up these others. He puts bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking. That's evil speaking's interesting. That's to speak someone down. Put them down in your language. He said, let all of that put, put, be put away from you. And then with all malice. I've already said that's that intent. That's that which was in me that has a desire to like to hurt somebody. I'd sort of feel good if I heard they fell on their face somewhere. I've got a desire if misfortune might come their way. Oh, that's so unlike God. And if we're not careful, we not, we not verbalize it, but in our heart, sometimes we, we feel good about someone's failure. And that shows that I'm not filled with the Holy Spirit. God even says in the Proverbs, even if it's your enemy and he falls and you rejoice over his fall. God said, that'll wound me. I'll see that and I'll have to take action with you because of your rejoicing over even your enemy's failure. God doesn't find joy, if I can put it like that. He doesn't find pleasure in the misfortune of human men. So he said, let all, I just put one word here. I guess bitterness probably covered a lot of that. Now that's the things he says in that, that text, and our time's gone. I don't need any time here. It's obvious what he says. Be you kind, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. 
And then notice, therefore, so that's why I went ahead and read those verses. You do understand those chapter divisions, they're not inspired, they're put there by the translators. So that when he wrote this, he didn't have chapter 5 there, he didn't even have verses, he just wrote a letter. Sometimes uh, they help, but sometimes they obscure. We, we sort of don't see that it, it's a continuation, so therefore, he's going to bring verse number 32 and illustrate it. How do you be kind, tender-hearted, forgiving? What is forgiving? It's forgiveness is an element of love. Walk in love. And Paul is saying through the Holy Spirit, speaking through him here. So let me illustrate it. It's like Christ loved us. And he went the ultimate and gave himself. And in doing that, it was a sacrifice to God, but beyond just being a sacrifice, he said it was a sweet smelling. It was a fragrance. It was well-pleasing. So tonight, if I have the Holy Spirit filling me so He can produce His fruit, and part of His fruit is kindness. He talks about the love and the characteristics of love. Love suffers long and is kind. Someone said kindness is something that a deaf person can hear and a blind person can see. What a statement. Don't you appreciate being around a kind person? Those characteristics of love, you could substitute the word Christ there and you wouldn't injure the truth. Christ or Jesus suffers long. Jesus is kind. All the things it says about love because that's one of the major attributes of God. God is love. I won't go into any detail. I, I got a book. It's like, I made mention that I, I had a book of his sermons and been a help to me and... Uh, over to Memphis where I go annually. There's a dear man there. He usually, he gives me a book each year. Been doing that. I've been going, I think this past year was the 18th year. And that dear brother, he, he, uh, he gets a book for me and most of them's out of print books. And I don't know where he comes up with all the books he's got that he's given me. But this uh, past year, he gave me a biography of, uh, of Mr. Moody. But a while back, I made, made reference in a sermon that, uh, the Sam Jones, that preacher that God picked up out of the gutter, and put his power on him, and used him in such a unique way. His family held on to God and prayed him to God, and he was a brilliant lawyer, but liquor drug him to the gutter, and he gave me his life story. Oh, that's been that's been so interesting to to read and to learn things that I didn't know about him. But in one of his sermons, he preached these sermons, and they of course didn't have a recorder in that day. A stenographer put them down. And verbatim, and it's almost just reading them like you was listening to it over in our neighboring city of Cincinnati, and a big book of sermons, the only copy I've ever seen of it. And in one of the sermons, he talks about what I'm closing with. He talked about kindness and forbearance and tolerance and asking God to help us to, you know, express God's patience, be patient toward people like God is toward us. And he was telling about a campaign, he called it, that he was in. And said he'd preached uh, uh, three weeks. And most of those three weeks, he said, I'd preach twice a day. Had just enough time to travel the train to get to his next meeting. And then he was to start a campaign. He said, probably go beyond three weeks and preaching twice a day. He says, I was bone tired. Uh, he describes getting aboard and they called uh, where he was at, the Pullman berth. And he said he was there with another fella. And he called him an uncouth uh, fella crude, we'd say, uh, kind of a coarse, crude fella. 
and said, you know, he had no respect for God or anything pertaining to God, and therefore we had no fellowship, so I just turned in and went to sleep, and went to sound asleep rather early, and said about midnight in our travels, the passenger joined us in that particular area of Pullman Birther where he was at, and said it was a, a man with a baby. And said, uh, he, he said, I guess I was rather selfish, uh, but my first uh, thought was, and that little fellow's misbehaving, so just a, just a little baby. And, and the man could do nothing with the baby, and he thought, my, my sleep's probably over for tonight. And he said, uh, it was the other fellow in there, boy, he said he was bothering him. And it bothered him to the point that he finally, he's already using some language, but he finally shouted out at the man. He said, I'd like to make a suggestion. At our next stop, I suggest that you, you take that baby to its mother in the car where she's at. You, you can't care for that baby, and it's upsetting all of us. And he said to the man with some emotion in his voice, he, he'd been trying to apologize to us. He said, sir, I would to God I could take the baby to its mother. You see, the baby's mother, my wife, is in a casket in a box car back here behind us. And we're taking her home to bury her. And it's the first time I've ever had to alone care for the baby. I apologize for not doing well. I said, I wish I could take this little fellow to its mother. Sam Jones said that old rough, uncouth, crude fellow jumped off of his bed. He said, my God, man. Oh, if I'd have known that, I wouldn't have been unkind to you. I wouldn't have been impatient with you. And Mr. Jones said, that fella got up and tucked the baby and said, sir, you try to get a little rest. I'll do my best to try to help you with your baby. You know what Mr. Jones' point was? If we knew, if we only knew what a person was going through, we might not be so quick and sharp to cut them down. We might have a little more patience and a little more kindness and be a little bit more like our Lord when He had love toward us. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed.